Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. So we are starting <laughs> a new sermon series today. It's, I do want to give, like, this past sermon series was fabulous. We had some of the best participation in sermon series challenges ever. People got rid of so much stuff and liberated their homes and actually enjoy living there now. We learned about discernment as well as stewardship. It was fabulous. And then uh, this past Wednesday, we had a lovely Ash Wednesday service to, over Zoom just to mark the beginning of this Lenten season. Uh, Lent is the 40 days that leads up to Easter. So all this sermon series is about preparing our hearts for Easter. And can I get a drum roll? The next sermon series that we're going to embark on, it's going to be great. It's going to be saucy. It's going to be spicy. We're talking at out. Hey! Our new sermon series is called Out. Yep, it's going to be amazing. So this is all in alignment with the, um, the learning goals that we decided we would focus on in 2023. So last October, we did a community listening survey and how people wanted to spiritually grow. And this is what uh, the themes of that survey were. So we kind of looked at inward transformation and outward transformation. For the inward transformation, remember we talked about we're trying to embody liberative theology, so not just keeping it a head thing, but fully embody it, creating abundant money mindsets <laughs> post-pandemic, uh, improving holistic health, keeping consistent spiritual practices. That's how we're trying to transform our inner lives, our spiritual lives. And then outwardly, we're trying to uh, be able to navigate current events that are very distressing, connecting deeply with nature, striving for social change sustainably, and deepening connection. So we're, the whole thing about New City Church, if this is your first time here, is like we're trying to change inner things to change outer things and change outer things in order to change inner things. So it's, we're kind of going in and out on both sides. Um, and so uh, you can see how this sermon series on Exodus uh, lines with a lot of these goals. And throughout the sermon series, I'm going to try to touch on these for the sake of um, continuing our learning. After the sermon, you'll have a chance, uh, the community will have a chance to come to this microphone and share during a time called Sacred Witnessing. Our focus question for you today is, when was a time you felt led to change something in your life? When was a time that you felt led to change something in your life? So after the, I'm done preaching what I kind of consider the beginning of the sermon, we'll have an open mic for you to offer a testimony that I think of as kind of the second part of the sermon uh, in response to this question. So you can start brainstorming that. This is also our 30-second mini-story prompt, so you can kind of start brainstorming that. Okay. So um, I've lived in Minneapolis for, um, gosh, uh, eight years now. And uh, I've, I've met a lot of people. As a church planter, I, I met a lot of people. I did a prayer walk through every neighborhood in uh, Minneapolis when I was planting New City Church, fell in love with this neighborhood, tried to network with as many people as possible. And I met a lot of people, not a small number of people, who were aspiring to be midwives 
of change and also midwives of literal people, <laughs> but also midwives of change, of social transformation. And I guess now is a good time to also mention that um, this sermon is going to mention themes about birth and midwifery. I'm not going to get into like a whole ton of details, but if you're starting to like feel a little activated or if you have part of your story that has some trauma around that, feel free to stand up and walk around or get a drink of water or look outside. Um, can we just all snap and agree that that's totally fine if you need to? Like, I know that when you're having a big reaction, it's like, I can't stand up because everyone will notice me. But what you don't know is that people like are constantly standing up and walking around during this sermon anyway. So, uh, so you're totally fine. Um, I met a lot of people who want to be midwives of change. And so in our community, we have educators who accompany young people as they build up their hearts and minds, teachers who, through too little supplies and too little sleep and too little funding and one cracked Zoom screen, they're trying to carry things on, accompanying people as they trans young people as they transition into learning, accompanying young people as they cross the threshold into their future. These are midwives of change. We have organizers who pound the pavement, showing up in community centers and rallies to hear where people are being stepped on and accompany them in advocating for change, accompanying their communities as they step over the threshold into the next chapter of their freedom. We have midwives of change among us. We have innovators, whether they are engineers, entrepreneurs, or dreamers, who are ushering a world into a brighter future. Janitors who are keeping the floors, uh, the floors clean. Lift drivers who are bringing people from one place to the next. Elders in the community trying to usher in the next generation along. On the day-to-day, -day, you might think of yourself as just putting in hours, your rise and grind, but I'm here to tell you, you are a midwife to change. You're accompanying people as, you're pa as they pass over a threshold from one thing into another thing. These are the midwives among us. And as a pastor, uh, my job is to, I have the great honor of being able to accompany people as they learn about God. My job is not to be God, but accompany people as they learn to recognize God who is already in your life. I'm kind of like the, like the, what are those called? And when you go to a, the, get the glasses and the lenses make you see clear. I'm an optometrist. Yeah, I'm serving optometrist, spiritual optometrist vibes for days. Like God's already there. You know, it's just like sometimes you just got to like practice recognizing it. And so my job is not to heal people, but to accompany people to the source of healing. Not to inspire people, but to accompany people to the source of inspiration. And it's my favorite thing in the whole world because I get to see people crossing the threshold of faith, transitioning from believing that there is no God, believing that there is no God to trust, to believing that there is nothing to trust but God. This is the transition. That's just my, it's just the best. If you ever want to be ordained, uh, hit me, slide into my DMs, because it's like so great. Um, and in that regard, I think that most of us, whether or not I named your profession, are midwives of some sort. You know, midwives, um, in, in case you're an English learner or that term is unfamiliar to you, uh, midwives are people who accompany pregnant people through some of the most excruciating pain in their life through the, the process of childbirth. 
Midwives aren't the change. They accompany people through change. They accompany a baby as it crosses the threshold from the womb to the world. So midwives are accompanying each other from one place to another. And we're starting a new sermon series called Out, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be so good. We got plans, y'all. We're reading through the book of Exodus, which is part of the Bible that specifically is dedicated to showing how God delivers us. God is, do you get the metaphor here? God is delivering us. This whole sermon series will follow the story of an oppressed people who were one way and then God delivered them through a threshold and became another way. We won't be looking at the book of Jonah who went out and then kind of like circled back or Ecclesiastes who says that everything is a cycle. We get the feelings, but, or Judges, which is basically a book that's like the same three sentences copied and pasted over the course of like a jillion chapters. Um, it's also the word of God, but uh, it's, it's um, not like, this is, a, this is a, a book that's trying to show you a different type of process, a different type of change about how God relates to an oppressed people who go from one thing to the next. And all of you know what big change feels like because all of you were born. Before, uh, you were, before you were born, you knew that things were like warm and small and nice. And then you got born into the bright blizzard of the world, right? Like maybe the blizzard wasn't exactly the snow apocalypse that you thought it would be, but it was still like, whoa, so intense. And that was a big change that all of us endured in our life. But that's not where change ended for you, is it? You've gone in one direction and then been yanked in another. You've hit bottom and then rose up from it. In fact, uh, this is just as a community uh, survey. I want you to count how many times you have moved in your lifetime. Can you count how many times you've moved in your lifetime? Okay, so I want you to raise your hand. So we got a zero, hallelujah. Plus, I mean, that's really special. Uh, someone from children's ministry said zero. Um, so I would like you to uh, raise your hand if you have moved at least once in your life. Okay, raise your hand if you've moved at least twice in your life. Raise your hand three times. Keep it up four times. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. How many are you at? Like fifteen? Moved a lot. Okay, so we're at like minimum 15 for those of you who are joining us from the live stream. 15 times. Wow. Do you realize that for like most of civilization, people lived and then just kind of like stayed there forever and then died? Like, the, like, like that's amazing amounts of change. And you all have seen a lot of change. And so as you're going through this sermon series, there might be some things that come up for you because you're recognizing the change that God is rendering in people's lives. And some of you might be going through a change right now some big decisions right now where you're kind of figuring out what it's going to look like. And this sermon series is for you too. 
You know, we titled this sermon series Out because being out, depending on the context, can be a good or a bad thing. You don't want to be left out or shut out, put out or faked out, but many of us do want to go out, come out, okay, get out, and in the right situation, many of us would like to make out with the right person. So out inspires some mixed feelings, okay? Uh, as I'm sure many of you think of change with mixed feelings. Exodus is a book about how God changes us and how God gets people out for the highlights and the lowlights of that change. But it is human nature to not really like change, isn't it? Um, change takes a lot out of us. This is because our brain is efficient. Do y'all, any like neuro nerds? Yeah, so our brain is efficient, right? And so like when we start seeing patterns, it starts to like automate the patterns. And so this is why like when you first moved to your most recent place, it was like to get to the grocery store was like, okay, I'm looking at every street, every landmark. I don't know what information is important and I'm paying attention. And nowadays when you go to the grocery store, you're on autopilot where you can be like, listening to a podcast, consoling a child in the back seat, and playing Wordle at the same time, and like you still get to the grocery store. That's how automatic our brain is. That's the patterns, because we're efficient. But that efficiency only works if things don't change. You know, it only works if that path to the grocery store stays the same. And so when we experience change, when we have to adapt to something new, our brain resents it because it has to exert more energy into it. But the other stinky part is that change keeps us alive and it keeps our brains working. And so um, one time I was in a zoo, as I was uh, visiting a zoo, and I was um, looking at the spider monkey exhibition exhibit, and there was um, one of those like orange plastic trick-or-treat uh, containers in the spider monkey exhibit. And you know that like Enneagram line to a one went right off. And I was, if you don't know the Enneagram, don't worry about it. But I was like, zookeeper, zookeeper, like there, something's wrong in the exhibit. Someone littered into this monkey's home and we have to change something. I'm not gonna leave until this is better. Like I was like going full blast with the zookeeper. And the zookeeper was like, you know, sometimes we have to change the habitat in order for these spider monkeys to like keep their mental functioning up. We intentionally put that in there because change keeps your brain sharp. Whether or not that zookeeper was telling the truth or just to get me off their back, I'll never know. But I do know. <laughs> They're like, we don't care about animals that much. Just kidding, they do. And, um, and I just was so struck by that because here are these spider monkeys who are like so smart, they can solve puzzles, they can climb things. And if spider monkeys need change in order to keep their brains smart, then we probably need change as well to kind of keep things sharp. And that's a real downer of a realization, isn't it? <laughs> like change is both something that we intuitively resist and yet it's something that we need to stay alive. It's both of those things. Um, and so, like, I just want to name that some of you have gone through changes that were harder than simply moving around. 
if it feels safe, and if it doesn't, then you can kind of think of uh, easier accessible things. I want you to think about the hardest change that you've ever made in your life. What is the hardest change that you've ever made of your life? Think of all the adaptation that was required, how much shifting and work you had to do. Think of all the frustration, excuse me. Hopefully, eventually, you were able to come out on the other side of that hard change and things were better, but gosh, isn't it so hard? It's so demanding to change, so much so that we avoid it subconsciously every chance that we get. And that is why we need midwives. Like, change is hard, and so we need an, someone to accompany us through the change, otherwise we'll never get to where we are supposed to go. We would never get to the, from the womb to the world without some type of accompaniment with us. And the thing is that God is continuing to deliver you through change. God is continuing to speak into your life a new type of transition that's supposed to be happening, but we'll never have the wherewithal, courage, awareness to go through that change without a midwife. And so that's why we're a community. And that's why in the very beginning of the book of Exodus, we have this image of two midwives. I want you to just like not take this for granted, for, by the way. This is one of the most significant pieces of literature that has ever existed. And in the beginning of Exodus, the opening image is midwives. This, the tone is set for the whole thing. There's a lot of options for how to start books in the Bible. And they decided midwives are going to be the most important image to set the tone for what's about to happen. And so, like, we get these two midwives before we hear about crossing the Red Sea, before we hear about the plagues, before the burning bush, we have Shipra and Pua setting the tone. These are the two women who know how to accompany people through hard change. So, um... In preparation for this sermon, I watched exactly two YouTube videos about midwifery. <laughs> and as a gay man, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, get, I get the picture. I, 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 this is a miracle. This process is a miracle. The body's amazing. I don't need to watch this anymore. I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to go stare at a wall <laughs> and just kind of think about a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but I watched uh, two YouTube videos that were very beautiful, and um, one of the videos taught me three types of breath to take when you're about to go through pregnancy. Three types of breath to accompany you as you're about to go through some big change. This is, by the way, uh, the YouTuber A Working Mama, so cite your sources. Thank you, Working Mama. Um, so, the first type of breath, and we're going we're gonna to practice this together. So, the first type of breath is called the de-stressing breath. And this is when you're anticipating birth. So we're gonna practice this right now. It's kind of like the curve. We're gonna inhale and then have the exhale be like twice as long as the inhale. So we're gonna... Yeah, you feel that? One more time. This is your de-stressing breath to put in your tool belt for when you're about to go through some hard change. This is like in the very early stages of pregnancy. And I imagine Shipra and Pua inhaling as they remember their ancestor Joseph, who amazingly made multiracial alliances between Israelites and Egyptians, 
and exhaled as they realized that the memory of Joseph has completely faded away and there's a new sheriff in town. I imagine them inhaling as they saw that the new government had no interest in the Israelites' human rights and exhaling as their community seemed to be getting more and more babies every day. And the second type of breath is called the moving breath. So this is, um, so I want you, if you feel comfortable, I want you to put your hand out in front of you and just take the de-stressing breath and exhale into your hand. So do you feel all that air that's on your hand? So the moving breath is you're going to do that same inhale, but you're going to hum out instead of exhale out because instead of directing the energy out, we're trying to direct the energy down. And so I, put your hand in front and then uh, we're gonna inhale. And then when you exhale, hum, and just see the difference in how much air comes out. Uh... Do you see? Do you see how that's super different, right? And so it's like, these are like superpowers that your breath had all along. And so like, whereas the de-stressing is like, I'm just kind of sending this out. This is like, I'm starting to prepare myself to like relax the things that can relax so that the things that have to work can do their work. Because the body kind of wants to do this. And so it's like that, uh, like that is like, okay, okay. I'm sending my energy down and relaxing what needs to relax. And I imagine Shipra and Pua breathing in as they hear the Egyptians on the streets say, we have to get rid of those foreign Israelites because they will turn against us in war even though they've lived here for 400 years. Never mind generation after generation being born here. These Israelites will be perpetual foreigners. Okay, yeah, uh, I, all the Asians in the room are giving each other the Asian look. Um, and then I imagine Shipra and Pua uh, growing, groaning out as the Pharaoh decreed that these Israelites would therefore be enslaved so that their lives would be so hard that the population wouldn't grow. It was not because they did anything wrong, but because they just were themselves and being themselves was a crime punishable by slavery. Uh, they breathed through the transition. And then the third type of breath is the panting breath. This is when things are getting real intense and you're using your, oh, sorry, uh, real intense and you're using your breath to um, slow things down because the temptation is to clench and then just like force and push and, and, uh, and a lot of violence is happening. And it's instead just trying to like, okay, I'm gonna breathe real fast just to kind of like slow things down. So can we all practice? Ready? And so you notice the emphasis on the exhale. Woo, I can't even do it. I'm getting a little lightheaded. It's, so it's like, this is like, things are bad. And I gotta like really focus in, really get, get like gather these resources because there, there's so much force present that it might hurt someone. And so Shipra and Pua started panting when the Pharaoh himself came to them and said, I need you to start a new measure of population control. Only let the babies who are girls live. <laughs> so these midwives, 
who specialize in finding peace in the midst of stress, these two midwives whom God prepared their whole lives, okay, to stay focused in the midst of pain, these two midwives looked at each other and then looked at the women they were helping and they looked at these babies and they knew that if they were to love God, they would have to disobey the king. So they walked to Pharaoh and said, uh, they walked up to Pharaoh and he said, why didn't you do it? And they said, no. The Pharaoh already had a prejudice against the Israelites. You, in, earlier in the chapter, you'll read how the Pharaoh thought the Israelites were kind of like animals multiplying and swarming. And so they twisted his own prejudice against him and said, you know, they're so like animals that they're already finished their business before we can even get there to murder anyone. Because listen, if you're going to be foolish and believe a child of God is less than human, then you better be ready to have that same foolishness thrown back in your face. So the Pharaoh stormed away furiously. We must be like midwives. We must breathe when times get hard because change is coming. Just like Sam Cooke says, it's been a long, long time coming, but I know a change is going to come. Um, I will uh, close with one final observation. Shipra and Pua didn't know how, many, how any of this would turn out. Okay? Uh, as readers, it's easy for us to see that Shipra and Pua's actions would eventually be the kind of thing that saves a baby called Moses, and then that would be the one who survives, and eventually Moses and all the others would find their way out uh, of Pharaoh's oppression. We kind of know the end of the story, but Shipra and Pua didn't know that at the time. They just knew that things were bad and that they were asked to make things worse, and they refused to without knowing what the end product would be. And God rewarded them for that. Because, you know, we live in a very complex world, and I know sometimes it feels like we don't know which way is up or down. Sometimes you don't exactly know what the end goal is. But you have spiritual aunties named Shipra and Pua who are letting you know that you are, your job is to not figure out every answer. Your job is to make, make the next breath and push. Your job is simply to know what kind of breath God is giving you and resist, resist, resist until change is upon us. Amen.